Welcome to Lost River Legends. Our motto, Ex Tenebris, is Latin for Out of the Shadows. We attempt to understand the complex world around us and bring light to subjects hidden in darkness. We explore paranormal topics with guests from all around the world. Now welcome your Lost River Legends hosts, James and Brett. We hope you enjoy the show. And all of a sudden, a door opened and illuminated light beings with arms, legs, and head came out of the ball of light. What they discovered was that those seeds were ultimately growing 30 to 400% more food and biofuel per plant with up to 75% more nutrition per seed. Patty Greer is a prominent UFO filmmaker who has produced eight full-length crop circle and UFO films in 10 years. Her films show footage of crop circles being produced by spinning plasma fields that appear to humans as balls of light. Greer's conclusion after visiting the lab of scientist William Levengood is that crop circles are produced by counter-rotating, spinning plasma vortices coming out of the earth. Her film, Crop Circle Diaries, received two EBE awards from the 2017 International UFO Congress for Best UFO Feature Film and People's Choice Awards. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have Patty Greer joining us from Colorado. She is a crop circle expert, one of the most prolific as far as filmmaking goes and documenting and um networking with with scientists and people of great renown when it comes to understanding the phenomenon. And she has some outstanding material. Um, Patty, welcome to the show. How are you today? Great. Thank you. It's nice to have a new audience. We appreciate you being here. Um, could you give us a little bit of, of your background, how you got into crop circles and kind of how that whole thing evolved for you? Sure. In uh, 2004, I was poisoned by a dentist with mercury fillings when I paid for white porcelain. And um, not one lawyer in America would take my case because, well, we know now why. All the doctors and systems have been paid off basically since that amazing crop circle right after 9-11. And um, I was so desperate to heal because what happened was my hands, and I played harp and piano and sang for a living, I uh, lost the use of my hands six months after the mercury procedure. And I went to every kind of doctor and healer and naturopath and basically everything but voodoo I tried. Nothing would heal the open sores on my hands from mercury poisoning. And about three years in, I ran into some friends that had just come back from England and I was visiting with them standing up on a sidewalk and I looked at them and I said, why do you look so different? 
you look amazing. And they said, we just got back from the crop circles in England and oh my God. So I'm listening and I'm thinking, I'm so desperate, I'll do anything. I was so desperate, I went and laid in a crop circle in England. And I mean, to me, it was like a joke. And the very first crop circle I walked into, it was no joke. I was going through a, a, a big farm field and I was given a bizarre set of directions. Basically, pull the car over when you see a broken branch near this sign climb over the broken fence, walk five tractor lines to the left, and then head into the field and keep going till you hit the crop circle. It's like, no, come on, give me better directions than that. But I found it. So it was a rainy day. The wheat was up to my hips. And all of a sudden, walking in with a, some lady I met at a store in Glastonbury and one of my daughters, um, we're walking in and all of a sudden I stopped and I look behind me and I'm like, do you feel that? And all three of us had huge watermelon eyes and we all nodded our heads. And my daughter went, yeah, mom, I do. You know, they don't want to, at teens, you know, they're like, I don't want to admit it, but dang. <laughs> so I'm looking at my arms, girl arms with teeny little hairs and they're all standing straight up. And it wasn't because I was cold. And I started feeling the tingling on the top of my head. And I was like, oh, my God, there is some kind of weird electromagnetic field that we are walking into. So we kept going. And it wasn't even 10 feet. Boom, the weed is laid. And it was breathtakingly clean. It was like there wasn't a hair out of place. And it wasn't circles. It was really strange patterns. And I couldn't tell what it was. And you can't really, unless you're looking down from a micro light or a helicopter and you're filming, then you can see it's a hummingbird or a thunderbird or an octopus or a sacred geometry or Fibonacci sequence mathematics. You can't really tell what you're in on the ground. But the shape was bizarre and it was my first crop circle ever. All I knew was I was tingling head to toe and this wasn't normal where I was. So we kind of spread out into this wet formation and it was so immaculate. And then we walked into another area that was like a separate formation connected to the main one. And in the middle was this area that looked like it had been hacked up, like chopped up. And it was the only place where it wasn't perfect. And when I say perfect, I mean the the wheat was laid down from what looked like walls of a perimeter that was immaculate standing crop. And then everything else was laid, but it swirled into a circle and everything was like flowing. So I was like, what is this broken area? You know, this hacked up and we couldn't figure it out. And uh, it started getting cold. And my daughter asked if she, sh she could go back to the car and the other lady uh, had a friend that was at the car with two Great Danes, and I figured, sure, you'll be safe. So I watched her walk across the field for a minute, and once she got there, I got back into the formation, and I found myself over in a corner running my pendulum going, is this real? What is this? Where is this coming from? Am I safe? You know, all these questions. And it was all, yeah, 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 you're good to go. And I look over, and this other lady that I had met in Glastonbury, didn't really know who she was other than Victoria from Glastonbury. Uh, I see she's running a pendulum also. And I waved because we were at opposite ends of the crop circle. 
and we met in the middle. And I said, what did you get? She said, oh, I got that this is real. I don't know what real means, but this is real. And I said, I got the same thing, and we're both new here. So we start um, talking about what could possibly be going on. And I said, so who are you? What do you do? And she said, I'm the Archdruidess of Stonehenge. Whoa, nice to meet you. What an honor. And uh, I'm just a girl from America with these gloves covering Band-Aids. My hands are screwed and I'm here to heal. So we were immediate friends. And all of a sudden I hear yelling across the field. And I turn around and I see this big man yelling at my daughter. And as a mother, you know, you turn into an eagle and you fly as fast as possible. I ran through the wheat like a, like a crazy person and left Victoria. And she slowly came behind me, but I was wailing to rescue my child. And she was there with the lady and the dogs, but still he's yelling at my kid. So I'm panting and uh, I get there and I, I see the man, he's still yelling, you're on my property, you're on private property and I can have you arrested. And I think he even yelled, I can actually shoot you. And he was really angry. And my daughter, thank God she answered him before I did. She said, lo siento, señor, no hable inglés. <laughs> I was like, oh, Kelly, brilliant. So I come up and I'm like, uh, que paso, problema? And here comes Victoria and I'm like, oh, please speak Spanish. And she heard us and she spoke Spanish too. And the farmer, it was the farmer, big, huge man, very pink cheeks. He got really angry because none of us spoke English. And por eso no entiendo nada. We no understand anything. We no understand. Listen to me, like Spanglish. So this guy's pissed and he turns around and starts to walk away. And we understood all of a sudden what we were looking at in the formation. This was the farmer. And he had this strap that went across his t-shirt. And when he bombed away angry on his back was the purse that held his hack saw. End of story. He hacked up the field because he owned the farm. He knew that if he had a real crop circle in his field, he needed to ruin it so that we, the researchers would not come into his field, fly over it, take photos, make his field famous. He was one of those crab farmers that was like, or maybe the military or the government, I don't know, had informed him in advance, do you want your monthly stipends? Then cut out the field because that's what happened in the last few years. So I don't know what his reason was. I'm thinking crabby because the way he was yelling. But what an amazing remedy that none of us spoke English and he didn't hurt us. But that was my first experience. And once he walked away, I looked at the ladies and I was like, well, that was close. I went, okay, there's something going on here. And what an amazing way to start. And I was completely intrigued. So we did a couple more uh, crop circles, but... I had made a promise to my daughter that if she would humor me and go to the crop circles in England, oh, mom, you're so woo-woo. I said, then you pick a place in Europe and I'll acquiesce and, and we'll go somewhere else also. And she picked Santorini, Greece. I was like, that is across Europe and beyond. It's super expensive. She said, do we have a deal? Oh my God, she's as bad as me. So lucky me, I got to go to Santorini. It was fabulous, but it left me so hungry for the crop circles. I was nowhere ready to go after five days. And um, the next summer I came back alone 
And the next summer I came back alone and that was 2007, 2008. I came for nine weeks by myself, spent a ton of money staying right in the epicenter of the uh, Avebury Stone Circle area, which is the epicenter of crop circle appearances that have been documented in the entire world over the last uh since the 1700s they found the first and they were documented in some classic book but they called it the devil's ring you remember that yes so mainly in the 80s 90s and i started in 2006 that was my first year but 2007 8 i came back and uh and that's when everything changed for my life my hands were still terrible. They're not great today, but they're better. Um, but somehow I intuitively started making movies. And I didn't know why. My excuse was, oh, this is too amazing. I got to take this home to my friends and family. So I hired a film crew for the first film, which is called The Wake Up Call. Anybody listening? Question mark. And I made that one in 2007. And when I came back in 2008, my editor handed me his brand new movie camera and he said, take it, you're going to need it. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't even know how to use a camera. And all I know is lens and door that opens. I mean, come on. He said, don't hire a crew, take the camera, learn how to use it. You can do it. And I was like, what? And so I took it and I filmed every movie from then on, which was a total of eight films. After uh, number five, I started editing. And again, no training. This was the strangest chapter of my life. And I think the mercury poisoning was a big part of it because it kind of took me out of my brain. It put me in an altered state. Uh, my hands, oh, the pain. Have you ever had a paper cut? You know what that feels like? Imagine six to 10 of them every day and your skin's just peeling. It was, it's, it's been the challenge of my life, but it's taught me to um, be really grateful for everything. And also being willing to flow with losing the use of my hands to be a musician after 33 years. It was an interesting gift to become a filmmaker. Never, ever in my life did I think, oh, I want to do that. Never. So this whole chapter, I feel very clearly that I was chosen and uh, by spirit or by the mother earth who's making the crop circles um, because they didn't leave out anything. Um, I've been in more than a hundred crop circles in England and I have no doubt that they are real. Wow. That is quite the, quite the story, quite the uh, journey that you've been on and having to pivot your, uh, your talents and your career around things like that. Um, when you say that you actually brought up uh, something I was going to ask you, and that is actually coming to, you know, who is who or what is causing this? You said Mother Earth. Let's discuss that for a minute, because um, we have kind of this uh, construct of, of Earth as a female um, or some people may call call it Gaia or like the divine feminine, what's kind of your take on it and how does it play into kind of, um, how these things, how this phenomenon occurs and then how, how do you resonate with that information? Great question. Questions. Um, I knew nothing 
through my first seven movies. Other than I'd been in a hundred crop circles, filmed them all, flown in the little micro lights. I don't know how I filmed in a micro light. Oh my God, the pilot looks at me and he goes, door on or door off. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, on your side. I was like, that's funny. Do you say that to all Americans? And he goes, you're a filmmaker, right? They don't want doors on their side. I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. He goes, door on or door off? And I'm like, door off, I guess. So I I start looking for the seatbelt, and it's like a man's belt. I'm like, where's the halter? Where's the strap me the heck in? And he says, oh, that's it. And he starts the plane. And I'm like, come on, don't mess with me, please. And he said, you want to do this or not? And I mean, he knew that I did, but I was kind of shaking in my boots. Uh, it was like, geez, Patty. But I wasn't thinking. I wasn't really geez, Patty at all. I was like, woohoo, let's go. Because um, I'd been laying in him for weeks and I knew everybody flew that was filming from above. So it's like, all right. So I get in this plane and he goes up at two or 3,000 feet. And, you know, you're just sitting fine. And he kind of does a slight tip so you can see the formation out the no door on my side location. And I thought, okay, big breath. And I lit up the camera, leaned toward the door, praying I wasn't going to fall, and um, started filming. And I couldn't believe how easy it was. And I flew with the one guy with a black micro light for the first few years. And then I upgraded to the guy with the white micro light. Oh my God. It's kind of like going from, from so, so to exceptional is all I'm going to say. And once I got in the white micro light, that pilot was so good that, you know, I'm like, no door, duh. You know, it was kind of funny. And so he takes off and I'm filming out the hole in the plane and he was going so nice and smooth and fast that I'm like bailed into the seat, not going to fall at all. And he had decent belting. So he says to me, do you want to do a few more loops? It seems like you got enough footage. And I said, yeah, I brought a snapshot camera. So let me do a couple more. And so I've got my movie camera locked under my arm. Everything has to be tied down. You can't have anything that's not attached to your body. And he's got, you know, um, lanyards and things for your cameras. So I've got everything tied to me, movie camera under my arm. And now I'm leaning out with this little camera. And this guy was such a good pilot that every time he says, do you want to do more loops? I'd say, yeah, he'd go, look at me. And I'd say, why? And he goes, trust me, look at me. So he's like, ready. So I'd look over and, you know, we're over the crop circle. Wow, that was fast. And I'm shoot, 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 shoot. Bang, bang, bang. Great photos. And I said, good, we're good to go. And so about the fourth time he did that, I said, what are you saying? Look at me. What is that for? I mean, what? And, and so he said, trust me. And I looked away for the first time. And I realized when, when you fly in a big circle around a formation, then you're going to head out to a different direction. You bail away. But if you're going to keep looping, um, you kind of dip the plane. And when I would say, yeah, give me a few more, he tipped my wing basically straight down. And when I 
chose not to look at him, Patty Braveheart. I I basically saw the ground right next to my elbow, you know, but a few thousand feet up. I never did it again. Yeah, it was breathtaking how quick he rebanked the plane into the circle formation, but whew, that was a scream. That was they probably could have heard me in Ireland. So, um yeah, it was really enchanting and enlightening because everybody I met was like me, we were all just lit up with this enhanced electromagnetic field that people that have never walked in a formation that go, oh yeah, they're all fake. You know, I've seen ancient aliens and BBC and I've read everything in the Daily Mail and yeah, they're all all fake. I'm like, (laughs) the first few years I try and help people and then I give them a link to my films or I just say, suit yourself, you know, that's fine. so, yeah, it was a, a growth pattern, but I still didn't know who was making them. So I'm, I'm making all these films. I'm living in the formations. I'm talking to all the top researchers from all these other countries. I'm staying right there in the epicenter. So I get up crack of dawn and I'm one of the first people at the research center having coffee and cake and looking at the map and waiting for the pilots to call in there's a new formation in Dorset. Oh God, five hour drive. None of the people wanted to go there except me. So there's a new formation near Stonehenge. You know, the pilots would, uh, and, and we'd all just look at each other and race to our cars and chase down the, um, the byways there in England. And it was like a treasure hunt. It was so much fun. So, like I said, I still didn't know who's making them. I didn't care. It was all about the beauty and what it felt like and the messages and the information and the fascinating people. And so I finally exhausted myself of crop circles and movie number six. um, I made a movie called the women of today. And I was like, I got to get away from UFO. And then I realized three of my women, one of me are talking about our alien experiences I've never called mine an alien experiences, uh, an experience. Mine is an earth experience because all I did was lay in crop circles and watch the hair stand up on my arms and just feel this incredible rush of energy. So I was a speaker at a lot of the events across United States and Canada for all those years. And I met a lady when I did a, a speak in 2014 She came up and invited me to Michigan, but the words she used were, you have to speak at my event. I was like, well, that's a weird way to put it. But she said, you have to speak at my event and I will pay you well. Well, that was a good second sentence. So she flew me to Michigan and I spoke at her event, which was all these um, healers and psychics. And her place was right on one of the lakes in northern Michigan. Actually, maybe not northern but she was there in Michigan. Um, God, I can't even think of what town. Was it near Kalamazoo, maybe? Um, so I go to her event, and I'm speaking, and I meet an interesting man that night sitting on the edge of the couch, and he says, hi, are you the crop circle girl? And I said, yes. He said, would you be willing to come with me for a drive? There's someone you need to meet. And I said, well, I don't know you. It's night. I'm in a state I don't live in, so... Honestly, probably not, but I'll ask around and see who you are. And if people like you and know you, I might be happy to tomorrow. And thank you for the invitation. Kind of a nice way to 
say no way in hell, you know? So I see him the next night. He's in the same spot waiting for me. And he says, are you ready to go? And I was like, this is too weird, but yeah, people know you. They like you. Where are you taking me? And he said, you'll see. I mean, who does that? So I get in the car we drive a half hour to this farm in the middle of nowhere through a dark forest. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, this better not be my dumb move. So we get to this house, really nice lady. She has a big bowl of cherries and we're sitting at a round table talking for four hours. Now it's two in the morning. And I said, this has been interesting, but I have to go because I'm speaking tomorrow morning at nine. I got to get some sleep. So, um, she says, okay, well, let me give you one of my books. And I said, oh, great. I brought you one of my films. So I hand her Crop Circle. Uh, which one did I have then? I probably handed her Crop Circle Update, the wake-up call. It won Best Film and Best Musical Score, all my original music, in 2010 at the International UFO Congress. So I give her my movie. She gives me a book. And I went through the pages. And I was like, wait, what? There's a picture of crop circle nodes. What are they doing in your book? And she looks at this man and she says, you didn't tell her who I am. It's two in the morning. Like what? I've been here four hours and you ask him now. He just turned his head. Nope. Mm -mm. So I look at her. I'm like, come on, stop it. Who are you? And she says, look at the cover of the book. And so I closed it back up and it says by William Levengood and Penny Kelly. The only scientist in the world that tested crop circles and proved that they were real scientifically, William Levengood. Who's Penny Kelly? Nobody's ever heard of her. Well, she happened to have been his secret partner in the lab for the last 16 years of his life. That's who I was taken to meet, but I wasn't told who she was. And I just looked at her and I said, this is not fair. I have so many questions for you. Um, oh gosh, I drove here. I have to go home after the event. She says, well, William Levengood's wake one year after he died is in a month. Would you like to come back and you can stay here at the farm? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, how many miles from Michigan to Colorado? I did the drive and I couldn't even wait. I drove back in a month. I go to the wake and uh, it was at his lab. It was at his home and I got to tour everything. And I was there for three days, except I ended up staying three weeks and making my final film crop circle diaries because of what happened. So I'm like, Oh my God, I will see you in a month when I left her farm that night. And this gentleman drives me back to the hotel. Now it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm beat. And these two ladies that I knew were the head psychics of the event are standing there, one smoking a cigarette outside the hotel. And they're watching me walk up and they're both nodding and smiling. And I said, good evening, ladies. And they said, that's quite a handsome gentleman with you. And I thought the guy got out of the car to walk me. You know, I turned around and there was nobody there. And I said, I'm sorry. And they said, there's a very tall gentleman next to you. And he has a message. Can I give it to you? And I'm like, wait, wait, I'm tired. But what? She says, he's tall. He's got gray hair and a goatee and a mustache. Do you know who it is? 
I was like, uh, no. She said, well, he has a message for you. And the message is, I'm really glad you're here. And I did orchestrate this. And I'm like, wait, wow. what? And she repeated it. And I said, I'll be right back. And I turned around and shredded into the parking lot. And I'm waving my arms, jumping up and down, hoping that guy would see me in his rear view. And he did, because needless to say, I, I when I want some attention, um, which is very rare, I, I made sure to, to look real big and crazy. So he backs up and I'm panting again. And I said, what did William Levengood look like? And he said, tall, gray beard, gray goatee, why? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. So I told him what just happened, and he just stares at me. And I said, this isn't normal. Levengood just walked me to the door. And he goes, uh-huh. And I said, why aren't you freaked out? I am. And he said, I did Penny's intuition course. I expect things like this, and he drives away. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Wow, that's really cool. So This is uh, so fun. You're making me remember. That's really cool. I'm glad that you can kind of relive it because I can tell your mind's going to that place. You're, you're accessing oh, yeah. those memories. As part of that, though, um, the lab. The lab has something to do with frequencies spinning crops let's talk a little bit about that yep. now did you see my final film crop circle diaries i have not have i have not had the opportunity to review that film yet let me give you the link and your listeners because it's free cropcirclefilms.com forward slash free cropcirclefilms with an s.com forward slash free so you can watch that one for free and it's, it'll change how you feel about crop circles and the weird things I went through. So a month later I came back, I pulled into Penny's farm. We were like old friends. I didn't plan on learning anywhere near as much as I did. I just went to go to the wake. So the very first night she gives me a sweet little room and a bathroom and towels and she goes to bed and I went to bed and I'm laying there just relaxed thinking, oh, I'm so looking forward to meeting other crop circle researchers in America. And all of a sudden, I see that man that I saw in photos, because believe me, I researched what Lefty looked like, Levengood looked like. And I watched him walk through the wooden door that was closed in my bedroom, and he came up to the bed, and I'm seeing him with my own eyes. And he's not alive. And I'm seeing him with my own eyes. And I felt myself pull the covers up, but I still wasn't scared. I was just pulling the covers up like, man, am I hallucinating or what? And he walks up and he smiles and he said, I did orchestrate this and I'm really glad you're here. So my three weeks, we start at the wake. And at the wake, I met a bunch of people that had worked with him over the years. And at the end of the wake, they invited us into his little garage with all these trinkets that belonged to him and his wife. And um, they said, please take some things home with you so you have some pieces of Lefty. And people weren't taking hardly anything. And I felt like I was the newbie, so it wouldn't be appropriate. 
But I said to Penny, can I go in there and like have a, she said, Oh God. Yeah. They're going to donate it if you don't. So I was like, well, dang. So I grabbed his pipe, his smoking pipe that was white carved horse with a brown handle that went into his lips near his brain. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm taking you home. And then I took the unicorn brass bell that had this tone that was like, Oh, what is that? Four, four, two. I mean, come on lefty. What else do you want me to take? And there was this like Wells Fargo, heavy iron horse pulling a Wells Fargo thing. And I was like, okay. So I grabbed three things, packed them up and brought them home. And I triangulated them in my editing room. So now I'm at the lab and the garage and everybody leaves the wake. And Penny and I, before the wake, had gone to prepare for the event with the lady that unfortunately inherited his estate. It should have been Penny, but it was some lady that rode horses with the wife and she got everything and didn't care about the research. And I'm like, oh God, and Penny's like, oh God, this is not good because his research is extremely important. So before the wake, on that day when Penny went, and she has to drive completely across the state. So she's in Kalamazoo, and he was on the east coast of Michigan. And so, I mean, the drive was half the day to get to the lab. And so we went for that meeting, and I said, can I be in the lab while you guys are having your meeting? And the lady was like, well, okay. And I said, do you mind if I bring my movie? No, no movie camera. And I was like, oh, ouch, because the lab was full of all of his data. So I said, do you mind if I just snap a few shots with my little still shot camera and his little um, not scary instamatic little orange metal thing? She goes, well, okay. So they go out of the room. You have never seen somebody my age move that fast. I got 83 photos in what, five minutes. I was on my back. I was under things. I was over things. I was running around the room. And then the guy that was uh, documenting every page of Lefty's research was there opening all the books and documenting everything. And I said to him, would you be willing to do a quick video for me? Just tell me what you're looking at. And I lit up my little Instamatic camera, hoping that crabby lady wouldn't come in. And I nailed it. And I went around the room and I shot all those books. And he told me what he was doing. And I got it. And it's in Crop Circle Diaries. Um, so, yeah, everything was there. And um, in the course of three weeks, I finally learned where crop circles were coming from, how they proved it, and why they're suppressing crop circles so incredibly poorly all these years. You ready for the answers? You know, I'm I'm hanging on the edge of my seat. Um, and <laughs> honestly, I, I think I know the answer, but I, I really want to hear it from you. So Penny explained to me that they were shipped hundreds of crop circle wheat from the inside of the formation and the outside of the formation, mostly from England, but a lot of them from American farms also, because even though we're not allowed to be told, there's even higher frequency crop circles in America. 
and we don't get to hear about them unless you're good. You know, you do the research. All you have to do is research. There's crop circles in America. Have I been to one? No. So I've been to tons of them in England. And once I finished making all the films, then I learned the science. That was the final film. So they learned by using magnets going up and down the stalk of the wheat that there was a plasma field that was different with the ones in the formation than the ones outside the formation. And they tested all this with magnets and they realized um, ultimately that crop circles are coming out of the earth in spinning plasma vortices. And those crop circles are going down in seconds. So spinning plasma vortices, like what's that? It's a spinning field with different layers of frequencies, all with distinct boundary conditions. So some of them are electromagnetic. Some of them are even microwave, and those are the human-made ones that are not so good. But then there's also all these different frequencies that come from the inside of the Earth, and I'm not being able to remember their names. Um, Ion, electron, avalanche. Electron, ion. God. See, I'm not a scientist or a physicist or a botanist, but I'm listening to Penny and basically what we have is crop circles with all these different layers of frequencies that have been pre-designed, pre-determined by the earth itself or herself. Now, how do they create a hummingbird? How do they create, oh my God, the 409 circles in 2010 laid in Fibonacci sequences? flawless the sizes were perfect and fibonacci's mathematic perfection there was a spiral of fibonacci sequences not one of them was out of place not one of them was the wrong size and my friend charles mallet who owned the research center for many years walked the entire perimeter at 5 30 in the morning and reported directly to me he said it rained all night the field was muddy i don't know how that went down 409 perfect circles, but there wasn't one footprint on the perimeter. That baby was real. And that's what's on the cover of my first movie, The Wake Up Call. Anybody listening? Not only are they coming out of the earth, not from the sky, not from military satellites, um, but if you watch TV or you watch ancient aliens, I called Charles one day in May, uh, when I was doing a lot of filming, and it was right before I flew over late May, early June, which is prime time. Then you get the whole summer of crop circles. And he said, I can't talk today. I've got ancient aliens coming here in a few minutes. And I said, it's like May, early May. There's no crop circles. He said, I know. They asked me to hire a crew, so I've got a crew coming to make a crop circle for their cameras. And um, so I said, well, why don't they wait until June? He said, this is what worked with their schedule. Oh, great research. Why don't they just do one in Ohio and pretend people have English accents? Okay, I'm being disrespectful to such great integrity. But anyway, uh, I knew that they had hired a human crew. I know BBC hires a human crew because, hey, crop circles are made by blokes with boards and ropes. So why? Why all these years is that the rhetoric? Why aren't they telling the truth about spinning plasma vortices coming out of the earth? Well, let's also talk about 
what those of us that are spending hours on the hillside overlooking the fields see at night if we're super lucky. We see balls of light. Then, boom, in the morning, the field goes down. Why is there a ball of light if we're talking spinning plasma fields? Here's the explanation. Oh, my God, it's so incredible. These plasma fields are spinning really, really fast, but they have to spin to the precise frequency to create the message that they are here to deliver. So these fields, which we don't see, are spinning in counter-rotating vortices, and they show up in pairs. For some reason, it's always pairs of these spinning plasma fields. And when they get to that exact frequency where they need to be to lay the field down, boom, the human eye sees a ball of light, boom, disappears. And in the morning, there's a crop soaker right below where we saw it. Well, and historically, that could be where the name fairy circles came from. Am I right? Yes. Fairy circles, um, Penny had some on her property. Lefty had one on his. Lefty is William Levengood. That was his nickname, and I always refer to him as Lefty, um, especially since he walked through a wood door and should have scared the crap out of me. And I was like, I'm not scared. <laughs> I know who you are. Um, so yeah, they do, they do call them fairy rings. I'm not sure why, but what's interesting is a lot of times fairy rings end up being a circle of mushrooms. And that's what Penny and Lefty had on their property was circles of mushrooms. I think more of those as fairy rings than huge crop circles with sacred geometry. Um, before I forget sacred geometry is basically a mandala pattern. And that's one of the most common but none of them are the same. And there's many, many, many that are sacred geometry. And when I used to do my public um, appearances, I would show sacred geometry. I would show mathematical crop circles. I would show pictograms like a bird, a fish, a dog, you know, what? not a dog. They don't have dogs. Um, but you know, different formations where you could see the picture and, you know, that's a hummingbird. Easy. The mathematics were like, whoa, that's really sensational. Mandelbrot crop circle, like flawless, whoa. At the top of the century that we are in now, right after 9-11, a crop circle showed up. It was an alien face, and right next to it, kind of inlaid in part of the face, was this big round disc filled with binary code. Do you remember that one? Yeah, it looks like a, a pattern, almost like if you were to play a record player and like have those dots be sequential? Yes, like a player piano. So it was deciphered by a computer analyst and by a mathematician who they claim disappeared. This was the message. And keep in mind, right after 9-11, the message was, beware the bearers of false gifts and their broken promises. Much pain, but still time. Believe there is good out there. We oppose deception. Conduit closing. Boy, is that relevant today. The timing, the timing of that, you know, if it's coming from somewhere else, you know, if it's coming from outside our galaxy or if it's coming from inside the earth, it definitely shows an acuity to our timing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, warning us at the top of this century, get ready, beware of the bearers of false gifts and their broken promises. Boom, we should have listened. This year, no, last year, 2020, early May, one of the first crop circles, I don't know if you saw it, 
it was a virus. It was a virus crop circle in May 2020. Hello, music lovers. The mother has spoken. We had a virus crop circle in 2009. There was this bizarre appearance, very little sacred geometry, all pictograms, fish, birds, insects, but not generic ones. There were the ancient ones. The insect was a scarab. Another insect was the bee. The fish was an orthoceros, like 300 million years old. Um, an octopus, been around forever. The birds were the phoenix rising. And that crop circle had flames coming out around her feet in that crop circle. You couldn't miss that that was Phoenix Rising. You couldn't miss that it was a thunderbird to represent the Native Americans. You couldn't miss that it was a scarab. It was a pictogram, a picture laid in a field, photographs taken from the air. Why? Why this year, hardly any math, hardly any sacred geometry, all pictograms, birds, fish, insects. What's going on? Boom, next spring, the big BP oil spill that killed millions of birds, fish, and insects. And here I am, crappy girl, going, shoot, they told us this is what it was. And here I am all by myself in Boulder, Colorado, going, I get it, I get it. Every time it's like so blatant, the mother is yelling, guys, I'm trying to help you. That's what I feel is going on. It is not military. It is not guys with boards and ropes. And it is not aliens and spaceships going, hey, let's pop one here. It's the Earth itself sending up these plasma fields with perfect planning and timing. And the balls of light, oh my God, have I filmed incredible ones. I think my most shocking movie, aside from crop circles, is also free. It's called Orbs and Light Beings. I should have really called it Fastest Way I've Ever Lost a Boyfriend. Um, I took him to the crop circles in 2009 and 2010. And I was so in love, I couldn't see straight. And he was real curious. So the first year he came with me and he was like, oh my God, this is too fun. And how do you know all these amazing people? And wow, there's a lot of movies being filmed and you're in them. And wow, you know, he's just loving it. Well, the next year I brought him again and it was so exciting. Oh God. Until the day when Igor and Andy fell out of their van at the research center first thing in the morning and we watched and we looked at each other and I said, hmm, drugs or alcohol? What do you think? And we're, you know, like it's early in the morning. We're waiting for the pilot report. We're having coffee and cake. That's what they call it over there. Coffee and cake. Coffee with clotted cream. So we're sitting there enjoying ourselves in the morning sun, waiting to take off for our incredible day filming. And these two guys, now that they've fallen out of the van, not gotten out, but fallen out two separate doors, they're almost crawling, but not. They're just walking really slowly and not straight up. Their shoulders are over, their heads are looking down. And I looked at Mike and I said, I think they need help. They don't look well. So here I am, you know, the mama mom. And I got up and I said, hey guys, you all right? And Igor, 
this man from Belgium looks up and his face was bright red. And he says, oh, what we saw last night. And I was like, why don't you come join us? So I brought them to the table and I said, please get them coffee and cake and come back quickly. So they sit down and they're just both in shock, staring at the table. And I introduced myself and I said, I'm very curious. I, I'm a regular here. I want to know what you saw. So they said, well, we were on the East Field Overlook. And I said, been there a number of times. And we were waiting to see the balls of light. We had our cameras. We had everything. We came here from Belgium. It's our first summer. Super exciting. And uh, we saw nothing. So we went back to the camper van, started to fall asleep. And we heard these French people wailing coming up the hill and luckily we speak French and we understood that they just saw balls of light so we gathered ourselves together and got our coats and ran down the hill and met the French people and he asked them what did you see and they said oh we saw these big orange balls of light they they got these big and they're opening their arms you can't see and then they disappeared and then there were two and they disappeared it was amazing. And now they're blabbing, 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 going up the hill in, in French. And these two guys from Belgium are like, oh, man, we're going back down. So they sit down, and sure enough, same thing happened. And Mike and I, now he's got the coffee and the cakes, and they're starting to kind of come around, and their heads are coming up, and they're able to look me in the eyes. And he said, oh, but what we saw next? And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And he said, we saw these two balls of light, one disappeared. Then the big one popped back and it was orange, it was bright. And all of a sudden a door opened and illuminated light beings with arms, legs and head came out of the ball of light. And she's got her hand on her camera. So, oh my gosh, way to lose the boyfriend. So I said to the guys, would you be willing to tell me what you just told me on camera and we'll go find a place. And they're so in shock and their faces are so bright red. They're like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So I'm looking around and right next door, the research center is this church that was hundreds of years old, rock stone. And I said, let's take the camera and we'll walk around the perimeter. We will find a place with good light. And sure enough, we walk around like magnets to the set of stairs with flawless lighting. Basically a stage was waiting. These guys sit down and give me the perfect interview. And then he sends me a sketch or maybe handed it to me of what he saw. He said, the first one came out, it had arms, legs and a head. And then it leaned back into the ball and another one came out. Well, I realized that I had photos of an orange ball of light with an opening. And now I know what it was. So I'm like blown away, absolutely blown away. And this was before I even knew the science. All I knew is these balls of light have aluminum light beings in them. And these guys actually saw them. They had to go because they were completely shot, worn out. And I thanked them and I got them on film. I got their data, their phone number, uh, email, and they leave. And as they're walking away, I'm saying, thank you. And they they look up and they said, oh, there's the French people walking up. I'm like, this is too easy. Oh, my gosh. So I took the French people and they were incredible, not crazy people. It was a woman, very clear minded. 
and a man that was dressed like a yogini in all white with the orange scarf and a big, huge white beard. And then they, there was a young guy with them with the headset on bobbing. You know, it's like the teen version, the guru, and the French lady that translates. So the three of them sit down on the stairs behind the church, still flawless lighting. Wind goes away. I'm like, this is awesome. And they basically said the same story. It was incredible. And again, that movie's called Orbs and Light Beings. It's free on my website, cropcirclefilms.com forward slash free. But the realization that those people came into our life at that time so that I could film them, and then the French people showed up, like, it was too easy. And the translation was flawless. And the guru man, they all said the same thing. They saw it. And her, my favorite line, she said, we saw it. We don't know what it was, but we saw it. I mean, it's kind of like dogs don't lie. Those people weren't lying, you know, and, and I was completely convinced. And now I look at my boyfriend like, wasn't that great? And I could see his eyes like friggin' butterballs, like watermelons. I could see his heart sinking. It was just T-M-I. It was so over the top. My experience is there, and it was constantly that way. And um, we got back to America, and he left real quickly. Didn't say a word. And we were, it was so great, and then it was over. So my career has cost me a lot, is the small way to say it. But the experiences I had, priceless. When Crop Circle Diaries was made with Penny Kelly, That was all I needed because the science was complete. But what I learned is the punchline of why they're hiding crop circles all these years, why I've gone through, shall we say, what I've gone through, which has not been fun as far as the suppression. But I did make eight films. I did receive five EBE awards at the International UFO Congress Convention when it was real ufologists. And um, I, I differentiate because in my opinion, Um, When I was filming and when I was speaking, there were incredible people next to me. Stanton Friedman, Jim Mars, Dolores Cannon, Cynthia Crawford, all the people in my movies that are basically gone in the last five, six years, they all died of strange things in the last five or six years. They just disappeared. And this new crew, in my opinion, of clowns or actors took over ufology with, I just lost interest. It was just like, uh uh-uh. Robert Dean, the grandfather of ufology, was there when I won my first award at the foot of the stage waiting to hug me. I was in with the great guys. Dr. Roger Lear that took uh, implants out of people. I mean, all the photos I have with these guys, they're kissing me on the cheek or I'm kissing them on the cheek. And they wrote me beautiful letters about my work. This was ufology. And there's nothing left, in my opinion. You couldn't pay me to go to any of the events or listen to any of the little actors. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some people find them interesting. When you've been with the big boys and you've listened to Jim Mars, I don't want to say any names, but who wants to listen to them? It's just regurgitation of I and then I. It's like, no, you didn't. So God bless everybody. But why are they hiding crop circles? Why was it so hard to get the data out? Well, here's the punchline. Penny and Lefty discovered uh, in a totally freak way 
that the seeds become super seeds in crop circles. So what happened was Lefty was clearing out his desk one day, and in the way back corner of a drawer, he found this old envelope filled with seeds. And he looked into the envelope and he said, oh, they were shriveled. No, what was his words? No proper seedsman would plant them. And uh, so he went to throw them in the trash and that little voice said, don't do that. And when Penny said it was that little voice, I went, that little voice is what made eight films for me. Everything was that little voice. And I was like, how do I know this? I just do. So when she said that little voice told him, don't do that. I was like, oh, that little voice, my friend too. So he pulls it out of almost putting it in the trash. And he decided to soak the seeds and put them in the germination chamber. And then he put them in the germination tank and left them. So he said within only a few days, those seeds grew like gangbusters that had shriveled and dried out for months in a dark place, in a desk drawer. Those details are very important because they way outperformed the crop circle seeds that had just been shipped in from real crop circles. So they realized that something about the science of those seeds, they need to be neglected. No light, no water, no, no nothing, basically, hide them in the dark and leave them and forget about them. And that's how he created this miracle of, oh my God, they grew like gangbusters. So then they started reproducing the study, reproducing the study. They kept doing it over and over and getting the same results, which is science. As long as you can reproduce it and get the same results, then, it, then you've got something you can prove. What they discovered was that those seeds were ultimately growing 30 to 400% more food and biofuel per plant with up to 75% more nutrition per seed. Those are super seeds. And they figured it out. And Lefty was like, oh my God, this is great for agriculture. This is great for the farmers. We're going to bring our organic food supply back. And boy, did they take care of him. Luckily, they didn't burn down his lab. They being those that don't want us to have organic food supply brought back. That's all I'm going to say about the mob. But he wrote amazing research papers more than anyone else in the world on crop circle science. And he had peer reviewed. He was really, really respected, but the media was not allowed to cover him. Hello. The media was not allowed to promote him. Hello. And he didn't care. He was like, I'm not here for that. So they just kept creating the same science. And he figured out how can we bring this to the public without it needing to be in a crop circle. And they realized through testing with magnets that it wasn't just plasma, but it was called charge density plasma. Now, a lot of people will understand that far more than myself. All I knew was I can repeat the words charge density plasma but that's what was creating the seeds to become super seeds. So he invented a machine that I saw and took pictures of, and there's a little box next to it, and the number was 30, and he created a charge density plasma machine with two round metal plates on top of each other with a rod between them and um, put the seeds in the middle, hit them 
with charge density plasma at what, 30, 30%, 30 megs? I don't know, but it was 30. Charge density plasma set at 30. And those seeds in some period of time, I didn't see them do those, was creating the same effect. Now, had we had an honest government or agriculture system, that should have been front page news. We figured out how to bring back the food supply from Monsatan, charge density plasma, and here's the machine, and we can all make one. It's not very expensive. And, oh, my God, I was next in line to go through what Lefty did. It has not been fun, but it sure was fun in the crop circles. It sure was fun editing. It sure was fun learning the magic and the science and sharing it with people across the world. My um, reviews have just been stellar and so full of love because I went there to heal my hands from something horrible and completely forgot about my hands. I just wore Band-Aids and gloves and kept filming. I couldn't wait to wake up. I mean, every day was a treasure hunt, every night a mystery on the hills. It was breathtakingly exciting and I will never regret this chapter of my life, but it became too dangerous. Um, I did make it more than the other ufologists that are in uh, my films, but um, yeah, it's, it's an experience. I really, really am honored that I was the one that lefty chose to bring it to the public. And I do believe that there will come a day where this information will get out once we clean up the <sighs> communism in America, let's just say it like it is, you know, we got a real problem here. And I think that the vacuum is about to light up and <laughs> suck it all out so that we can get back to business and have a beautiful life. Um, but what I learned in these formations was well beyond anything I needed. The world needs this information. All those sacred geometry crop circles, they're not just a mandala. I met a guy from Holland who sent me videos where he spun those crop circles that are sacred geometry. He put it up on a board after he printed it, put a pin in the middle and spun it. Oh my God, wait a minute. My eyes are hallucinating. Then he spun another one and I'm like, wait, stop. But this is over the top for my brain. So when I do my performances, I didn't show one sacred geometry. I showed 60. I flooded people's brains at all the events I spoke at because I knew what I was looking at, but people need to be shown. And you can't impress people with three, but 60? My God, I exhausted their eyes. Yeah, that many sacred geometry ones, and we spun at least 30 of them. And what we saw appeared to be, and I'm guessing because I haven't been there to know, but it was no longer just a basic mandala. It looked to me like, a propeller, like some kind of device that would move a spaceship, or it looked like a lighting pattern on the bottom of a ship, I'm guessing. But after I saw that many and I spun them, that's what I heard, that little voice. That's what I felt in my heart with all this experience. And I think that we've been shown so much information. And if people will just go watch my films, and four of them are free, the other four you can watch on the website for $5. Anywhere in the world you can stream them. Um, CropCircleFilms.com. 
anybody that watches my films is going to really have a great understanding that these are real, there's a reason, and that they're coming out of the earth from the mother who's been trying to show us, beware the bearers of false gifts, 9-11, all the birds, fish, insects, BP oil spill, and then the virus in 2020, early May, before many crop circles were here, she threw us the virus crop circle, which you can't miss. You look at it, it's like, well, duh. And it's not the perfect round CV one, which we don't want to say the word. It was, uh, you have to go look it up. Um, but a few people have made videos. And um, I mean, again, I learned so much and I share it all in my films. I don't hide anything. I don't make stuff up. Uh, it's it, it's been a great education, and I trust that there will be a day when my films get out far and wide and help people bring our food supply back because crop circles are real, and they create super seeds if we know how to work with them after we take them out of the field, and we do. Wow. I'm just completely mind-blown. Mind you did a really good job there tying things together. Um I, I appreciate you just going through that journey of information, especially uh, the punchline. The punchline is really fascinating to me that uh, perhaps all of the answers that we have for some of humanity's issues are right in front of us. The data is right there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would be remiss if I don't ask about the response to the Carl Sagan uh, message. That's something that, um, some friends of mine and myself were talking about just recently. The Arecibo message? Yes. Yeah, they sent, um, I probably won't be exact with my data because I haven't looked at it in years, but Carl Sagan and was it Francis Drake sent out a message in 60s or 70s? When was it? They sent out a message into space by binary code with a lot of very specific information, they had actually nine categories of information. It's so funny. I haven't taught crop circles on the air in quite a while. And all you have to do is ask me nice. And I can talk about crop circles in my dreams, but I'm having a great time remembering because it was stellar. So they send this message out to space and it shows all these different categories of human life on earth. They showed the structure of our DNA. They showed our population. They showed, God, what was it? Our mineral elements, um, all these different things. And we got a crop circle back, which was an answer. And it looked almost identical, except the one that showed the body that we sent to them of a human, they sent theirs back with a body that had a much bigger head like an ET. Their DNA was different. Their elements were different. But the only thing different, what was it called? Oh, it was, uh, oh silica, memory. silicon-based versus carbon-based. Thank carbon -based. you. Yeah. Silica. Thank you. And where did we find silicon? Silica uh, was what made all of our computers, right? I, I think I do that whole story in my fourth movie, Crop Circle Update, The Wake Up Call. I explained that one really well. The amazing thing uh, was that it showed up near a, tele a telegraph tower. 
Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, the, the, um, that message, that encoded message that was the response to, to Sagan's Arecibo message came back and was, uh, in the form of the, the crop circle, or in this case, a crop rectangle. And then that, um, was next to a transmission station of sorts, right? Like a, um, an antenna. Yeah. That could reach most of Europe. Gee, why would they put it next to a telecommunication tower where people could perhaps tell the world what they're looking at? Yeah. There was another one that also showed up near a telecommunications tower, uh, Chill Bolton. Um, what was the other one? Both of them did, but basically it was clear that the mother's very, very intended on the information getting out and being shared far and wide. Yeah, that Arecibo message was a, a breathtaker, wasn't it? It really is, you know, and when it, when something comes back one to one, you know, like we send out the template and then the template comes back and it's not really, uh, to me, it's not really up for debate that you know, some farmers out there with a two by four and a rope encoding a DNA message. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. But that you forgot the alcohol <laughs> right. or it's rope alcohol. So get some, some rye, some rye, whiskey and rye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and BBC there with cameras, unless it's ancient aliens turn. Oh, slap me, you guys, whatever. <laughs> they actually, um, I knew that they were filming a crop circle thing and I thought, you know, maybe I'll reach out. And then I went, nah, maybe not since they hired a crew, it's going to be another one of those. All of a sudden I get a call and I won't say any names, but they're like, Hey, this is so-and-so from that show. And we're doing a crop circle film. And I said, yeah, I know. How do you know? And I said, well, I'm friends with Charles. And he told me that you asked him to hire a human crew. Can I ask you why? Oh, it was scheduling. And I was like, scheduling when you're doing something this important hey how can i help you she says well do you have any footage or photos that we could use and i said well yeah i've got eight films how can i help you well we need some really good and i said yeah but are you going to use anything real and i wasn't very nice because i don't like when you've got an opportunity to come a month later and film a real crop circle or 10 anyway i'm i'm really painfully honest so that doesn't resonate with me. But I said, you know what? As long as you'll not doctor what I send, yeah, I'd be willing. So I spent an entire weekend gathering video clips that were, I mean, that could have made their thing really impressive. And the photos, and I included the one with the open door on the orange ball of light. I mean, big. So I thought, you know, maybe they'll do a great job. And they finally got back to me. And they said, we only want one photo, the one with the open door. We'll give you $50. Wow. I said, keep your $50. No, I didn't even look to see if they used it because, you know, I, I don't think they would, but that's how interested I wasn't. Sure. Um, Something I do want to bring up is that some of your footage is some of the best footage that we've ever seen. We've seen this um shared in social media and different things like that. And that's of the orbs flying over the field and something happens between two of those orbs. Can I have you talk about that? Oh God, that's awesome. Um, I think it's probably what also got me in trouble. 
Um, but way to see crop circle diaries where I, I tell you how that happened and how I cleaned it up. So I did not film it. Some guy named John Waby or John Whaley, you know, they're trying to hide his name. And he also, shall we say, disappeared. Yeah. Um, I've heard a number of stories from a few different friends. Yeah, I was there at the pub. He came into the bar. She had this raw footage. He wanted to show it to everyone. So he showed it to us. He gave somebody the raw footage. No, he didn't. Nobody does that. Anyway, that was the story. And uh, we can't find him. He disappeared. Uh-huh. Okay. So the footage is basically two balls of light going over a wheat field. And boom, the field goes down in seconds. Well, now we know what the balls of light are. Those two balls of light are a pair of spinning plasma fields. And even in the day, when those spinning plasma fields with different frequencies are happening, you can't see them until they blow up into this ball of light. That humans can see, but we can't see spinning plasma. So that was during the day. The footage was taken, and um, they tried to deny it was real. They constantly denied it was real. And um, I still loved it. I still got goosebumps. So I brought it home. Gosh, what, I, geez, was this my first movie? I think it might have been. Um, again, you know, deja vu for me, but I brought the footage home. Yes, it was. I My very first film. I hired a film crew in England that were filming the Glastonbury Symposium. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never made a movie, but I all the people that you just filmed on stage are all the people I've been hanging out with all summer in the crop circles. I would like to invite them all to speak. Can I hire you guys to come into the crop circles and film us for a day? What would you charge? And there's three guys that have been in Glastonbury their whole lives, and they all looked at each other like, wow, we've never been in a crop circle. That would be fun. I'm like, how could you not? What? So they come over, and I hired them for an eight-hour day. They only charged me 750 pounds, which is maybe $1,500 for a crew of three, eight hours. I was like, whoa, yes. So after eight hours, now the sun's going down and I'm like, you're not leaving. So I kept him for 12 hours. And once all the people we interviewed left, we were up on the hill waiting for the balls of light. We got some interesting footage, but we didn't get the balls of light. But I got enough. I mean, I was blown away. So we, I bring the footage home. I'm by myself. I had never done anything of the kind. Uh, and I hired a kid off Craigslist. And um, I put out an ad. I need an editor. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I need an editor. The greatest guy, thank you, God, shows up. And he's 26 years old. He's just a kid, but he's a mean editor, and he's on it. So we lay out Crop Circle Update, the wake-up call, my very first movie, and it was so beautiful. Oh, so effortless. The footage, the flying, it just absolutely beautiful. I made it in 2007, and at the end of the movie, we, I said, we're done. This is incredible. Let's go out on the deck, get some air, and then come back and watch it and see if it's a movie. So he shuts the system down. And we took a break and started to walk out the door. And I looked over my shoulder and I said, oh, turn off the monitor. There's a big blue orb on it. And then we both walked up and I said, that's not in the movie. What is that orb? 
And he goes around the back and he looks at me and he goes, Patty, it's turned off and it's unplugged the monitor. And now we're both looking at this blue orb on an unplugged monitor and the hair went up on my arms. Now I'm in Boulder, Colorado and the tingles on the top of my head. Thank you for asking. <gasps> Forgot about this. And I said, Oh my God, they're in the room. He says, who? I said, that little voice, whoever they are, sit down. We're not done. So he lights up all the gear. And I said, give me that footage at the end. The uh, two balls of light laying down the crop circles at Oliver's castle. Now reverse it. He says, why? I said, I don't know. Just do it. So he reversed it. And we're watching. And I said, slow it down. He says, how slow? And I said, I don't know. 30%. And he looked at me and I was like, don't ask me where that came from, because I can't answer you. So he slowed it down and reversed it 30%. And I screamed, stop. What is that? And all the dissidents would say, oh, digital, you know, slime or whatever they want to pretend it is. And I went, oh, my gosh. And this is before I met Penny Kelly and knew about splitting balls of light or plasma fails or anything. I had two balls of light and a binary code between them. And I didn't know anything, but I said to this 26 year old kid, oh my God, we just solved the mystery. This is real. And those balls communicated right before the field went down and I got the footage. So that was a moment. That was probably what got me hooked on filming crop circles and telling the story. Thank you for asking. I've forgotten, I've forgotten this for years. So we finished the movie by showing that communication two or three times because the first time humans see it, they're going to go, yeah, right. The, the second time they're going to go, wait, what? And the third time they're going to go, holy crap. So I put it in my first film and I blew the minds of everybody that was conscious, that was hungry, that wanted to know. But those people that perhaps were paid by who knows who were like, oh, that's fake. That you're you're wrong. It's fake. Um, kind of like he won the election. There was no evidence. I'm sorry. I'm doing a present day joke, um, and it is as funny. Yeah, it's fake. So I went through a lot, but I didn't care because I knew what I knew, and it was only that little voice and that feeling in my gut going, "I got this." So. It wasn't until Crop Circle Diaries. Oh, God. Movie one all the way to movie eight. I'm filming Crop Circle Diaries at Penny's, and then I come back and I'm editing. And then I got invited to go speak at a Native American event. And um, I, I went as a speaker, and it was in Estes Park, Colorado. And I bumped into my old friend, Native American Bear Cloud from Sedona, who was also a speaker at the event. And he said, oh, Patty, this is perfect. I have something for you. And I said, what? And he said, I have some footage that you need to, to have. It's for you. And I said, great, what is it? And he said, it's proof of the Oliver's Castle footage and you have to come to Sedona to get it. And I said, well, isn't that interesting? Cause I'll be there in two weeks. That was easy. So Bear Cloud invites me to his house and he starts with, oh gosh, I probably, sh should I say this? Yes. He had negatives from Billy Myers. All those spaceship photos 
were spread all across his counter and the negatives. And I took photos of the negatives, the photos, and I'm like, is that why I'm here? All the Billy Myers and, and the negatives? Holy crap, that's real too. Um, but I can't say that's real because I'm not an expert. And then he says, no, this is what I have for you. So we sit down and he lights up this video and he says to me, I paid Jim Delatoso to look at this footage and dissect it for me. Now, Jim Delatoso is a guy who put in writing, Patty's wrong, that's, that's fake. Patty's wrong, that's fake. God bless him. I don't know who made you do that or if you really just chose to do it. But then Bear Cloud hands me this video where Jim Delatoso is sitting in front of a wall of gear, filming, editing gear. And he said, I've been doing this for a really long time. And he throws up the Oliver's Castle footage. And now I'm like gripping the chair. And he says, oh, it's every bit as real as the Phoenix Lights. But the difference in the Oliver's Castle footage, you're going to die, is that somehow when it was spinning to the right, there was something going to the left on the outside of it. And I'm going, I can't say it. But I was like, really? So you'll tell the truth to Bear Cloud, but me, girl, making movies, I'm wrong, it's fake, whatever, Jim. And I made Bear Cloud put it in writing. I paid for this. I gave Patty permission. And he's like, Patty, you don't need it. You can trust me. And I'm like, oh, it's not you I'm worried about. Please, just humor me, put it in writing. Um, so I guess, you know, my intuition was spot on early on. But poor Jim, he must have cried when he saw himself in my movie where he was speaking very honestly to a beautiful Native American that he was willing to tell the truth to on camera. So the gods have really worked with me. The Mother Earth has really worked with me to say, no matter what obstacles, she is so dang gun-ho, her hands are screwed, so she's really hooked on this because this is every other part of her body, brain, heart working. Use her. <laughs> I was perfect choice because I got so into it that it's all I did from 2006 to 2016 when I filmed Crop Circle Diaries. And in 2017, I took it to the International UFO Congress Convention and I won Best Feature Film UFO Related and the People's Choice Award, which made me cry. That is so cool. I love, um, so before I kind of had like seen the footage and seen some of the stuff on your site, but now I know the story behind it and the corroboration and the confidence that you have in it. And we can have that confidence too. And that's what I really like about that story. That's super awesome. I think I've touched on all the questions that I had. Um, and we really appreciate the message that you bring here. And I think a lot of it just comes from, you know, trust your heart, trust your intuition, you know, trust what you feel. And that's actually a pretty good message here. A uh, positive message for our listeners. We really appreciate you. Thank you. And also don't forget, trust the mother, the mother earth. Right. Yeah. So She's seems, the one behind all this because she really loves us. Well, and it seems to me that, um, you know, when we're sitting here worried about paying our bills and filling our car with, petrol to get around that 
you know, she's on a, she's on a different level trying to tell us something else. So I think that's really interesting. Amen. Well, and now that we've had this talk, I hope you will go to my website and watch at least a few of them um, because now you know the back end story. So when you see them, I mean, your eyes will just be spinning because they're so gorgeous. And I'm such a girl and a musician that like I had my camera crew drive through this tree tunnel, which is in England, they're everywhere where the trees grow over the road. And it's just breathtaking to an American. We don't see it here. I don't, I haven't. So I was like literally hanging out the back seat on my back out the window, filming this. I was like Patty Flexidol, I don't know how, other than it was, I was in a different mental state than I've ever been in in my life. I was seeing plasma in the sky. I was seeing all kinds of things. And all I have to do is remind myself to look, relax my eyes, and I'm looking out the window now. I, I still see it. I just forget to look and relax my eyes, but there is so much going on in the sky at all times. We are not alone. And I don't mean aliens and spaceships. I mean plasma and energy. And when we say our thoughts create our reality, oh yeah. And in my different films, what I didn't mention yet was one of those layers of frequency in the spinning plasma fields can be, they're never the same, can be human consciousness. So when we were sitting in the Avery Stone Circle, me, Bert Janssen, Janet Osabard, serious crappies, were sitting there focused, looking at a photo of a crop circle. And it happened the next few days. There it showed up in a field. Three of those in my films were humans were sitting in a formation together, meditating on a photo of a pattern. Bert Janssen and Janet created one of a tile from a church, not generic. It had five Celtic crosses going across this square tile at, a, at an angle. And that specifically showed up in a crop circle a few days later. And I documented it on film. My favorite was when I finally, and this is in Crop Circle Diaries, somebody sent me some art. And I looked at the photo and started shaking and crying. And I went, oh, my God, this is where they took me. I can't believe I'm seeing this art. And I was literally shaking and goosebumps and the whole thing. And I was like, who is this artist? Where is this from? And it was at 1030 at night. And I was going to call him tomorrow and just find out who the heck he was. But it was a crystal castle. And it was underwater. And the colors were magnificent. And the water was colors that were out of this world, colors that we've forgotten about in this generation, but electric colors, really blissful colors. And it was underwater. I wake up in the morning. I had documented it. I, I brought a friend over to the computer and I said, look at this. Mark my words. I'm going to learn a lot from this artist tomorrow when I call him because this is where they took me. I don't know where it is, but I, I know this is where. So I wake up in the morning. I'm so excited. I start my coffee and he lived in California. So I had to wait, you know, cause that was an hour behind and I get up at six 30. I like to see the sunrise 
and um, I'm pounding the coffee and I'm looking at the computer and I'm like, wait, no, no way. Okay, so 10.30 at night in America is 3.30 in the morning in England. Crop circles usually show up in the middle of the night when it's dark. Well, in England, midsummer, there's only three hours of darkness. It's really interesting on that side of the world where it stays light a lot longer. Three hours of darkness, usually between, shall we say, two to five. So 7.30 in the morning, I get up. I'm like, oh, new crop circle, cropcircleconnector.com. So I tap the link, and there's a new crop circle. It was a crystal castle with five lines, with five drips of water below the castle. It related to his painting like nothing I could. There were five pillars with stars on top. There was five drips of water, not circles. There wasn't a circle anywhere in this formation. It was specifically a crystal castle with five drips, teardrop shape of water. And that was it. I was just like, oh man, you will never get me away from this because my memory created across the world at 3.30 in the morning, a crop circle of a crystal castle in water. That is fascinating. Well, thanks so much for sharing all that you have. It sounds like we've excited some memories for you and hopefully you can, oh, bask, yeah. you can bask in those and we can appreciate on this side, all the information that you shared. And for our listeners, don't forget to check out uh, Patty's site and be able to uh, check out um, the free, the free material that she has, has given us. Uh, that's very awesome of you to be able to provide that. And, you have any more questions you can uh, feel free to contact her through her website can you give that to us one last time yes info at cropcirclefilms.com okay and it's the website is cropcirclefilms.com and if you want to watch four of her free films it's slash free thank you so much for coming on our show Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost River Legends. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and consider subscribing. Here at Lost River Legends, our primary focus is delivering unique topics, amazing guests, all paired with top-notch production value. The earth we live on has many hidden secrets, countless paranormal stories, and is filled with amazing, curious humans who are trying to find answers to life's questions. Here at Lost River Legends, we are no different. We believe an active curiosity to the unknown is ingrained in the human experience. We hope you'll join us on our journey to explore the lost legends of the earth by listening to past and future episodes. Until then, James and I wish you health, happiness, and a curious mind. And remember, the clock of life is ticking away. Don't waste another moment and live your best life.